A Tour Through John, Lesson 25. Jesus speaks to his apostles in chapters 13 to 16. They're private. These are not public addresses. It's the eve of his death, after all. And even though he knows that Judas is about to betray him, the Lord remains focused. In these final moments, he shows the true nature of his love, its true quality, by washing their feet. A shocking deed, for reasons to be explained, but a deed that is recorded only in the Gospel of John. In this podcast, we will go through all of chapter 13. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. His hour was drawing very near here. We continue to notice this theme in John's Gospel of Jesus being on schedule. He responds He acts, he plans, all in accordance with God's timing. And that theme will reach a crescendo at the cross when he's able to say that it is finished. Another thing I noticed in this uh, paragraph is that it's the same verb in the English and in the Greek, uh, the same verb where Jesus washes the disciples' feet as we read in the previous chapter when Mary washed Jesus' feet. Now, in chapter 12, Mary washes his feet with her hair. Here, in chapter 13, Jesus washes the feet of his apostles. But the verbs are the same, and when you read across them, um, they're definitely meant to be tied together. The kind of uh, humbling, self-effacing service that Jesus uh, displays here is the same as that of, of Mary. And I think there's a powerful message in that. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, you don't know now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, One who's bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So Peter is going to resist here. Pride can keep us from accepting God's grace, even though we sorely need it. This reminds us of Naaman his initial reaction when being told that he needed to get cleansed in the Jordan back in 2 Kings 5. Uh, There are a lot of examples of this in Scripture, Uh, but pride does deprive us of God's grace. And yet without washing, we cannot be right with God. 
Just a note on foot washing. Uh, I know a number of times in these podcasts I'm quoting from um, the Mishnah or the Talmud, early Jewish writings. Here we read, um, well, I, I'm not going to read, I'm just going to make the point. Foot washing was eventually considered so menial a task that Jewish slaves and children could not be required to do it. In other words, Gentiles were the exception. They could be required uh, to do the uh, the task. But even for a slave or a child, at least if that slave or child was Jewish, um, they were exempt. I'm not saying that reflects the first century attitude, but that is the attitude of the first century or sometimes soon after. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and had returned to the table. He said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've set you an example, that you also should do as I've done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Oh, there's so much in here. He calls his apostles to imitate him, to imitate him in active love. After all, if he, he's the master and teacher, is willing to wait on others in humbling ways, how much more should we, his servants, his students, be willing to serve? He calls us to this example, but he also calls us to live up to what we have learned. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. Knowledge is a liability if we don't put uh, into practice uh, what we have been taught. Now, ignorance is not pure bliss. Let's not overinterpret this. But when we learn something, God does expect us to put it into practice. I'd like to share with you a poem that a friend wrote and gave me as a gift. This was in Christmas 99, and uh, there's no title. Well, the, the top line just says untitled. And I'll explain the significance of this in just a moment. But it ties into our passage. It's about this very event, uh, this very night. Okay? Was it from a couch or from heaven he arose that night? Was it to the floor or to the earth he descended that night? Was it with towel or human flesh he wrapped himself that night? Was it with water or with blood he washed them clean that night? Was it to his table or to his throne? He returned that night. That night, that night, that staggering night, when men argued for greatness and God was on his knees. A powerful poem. And he presented it to me framed. I have it in my study today. But I didn't catch the significance of the first line, that is the title, until a little bit later. The title is Untitled. That is, we covet titles, position, recognition. Jesus is willing to shed all those 
to descend all the way down, not just uh, earth uh, from heaven to earth, but here all the way to the floor as he is washing his disciples' feet, untitled. I'll never forget that. If you're interested in the question of whether foot washing is for today, um, in the notes with the podcast, I've got some thoughts there and some uh, further material at the website that addresses that. And I, I suppose there are some places in the world where uh, feet are dirty and that might be appropriate, but for the most part, we'll need to find other ways of washing feet today. We pick it up in verse 18. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but it is to fulfill the scripture. The one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly, I tell you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Well, we have yet another uh, reference to the act of betrayal to Judas. This will be a heinous act in the eastern lands to share bread, creates a bond not easily broken, and to break that bond is unthinkable, and especially to take this from a friend. Psalm 55 uh, refers to this, and in two chapters, Jesus will be making it clear that um, we, if we're followers of his, we are his friends. Now, Judas is not among his friends. You'll see that in John 15, 15. But still, that Psalm 55 is haunting and does apply. Uh, The Old Testament reference in the passage about lifting the heel against me, he who shared the bread, that's in Psalm uh, 41, uh, verse 9. See, Jesus had trusted Judas, and he was deeply hurt by his disloyalty, even though he knew that Judas would turn on him. Jesus was able to keep these things separate and and to behave with balance and equanimity. Uh, It's very hard for us to do that. He knew in advance that Judas would fall away. But in the Bible, divine foreknowledge doesn't mean we don't have free will. Of course, God knows what we're going to do because he has all knowledge. He knows the future. In our perspective, uh, the future is in the process of being determined. But God is able to see Uh, to the very end. Uh, This in no way diminishes our responsibility or our free will, uh, because there are many possible futures that we could have determined through our actions. And then Jesus makes the point that how we treat him is how we respond to God. Thus, in betraying Christ, Judas was rejecting the Father. But how we treat those whom Jesus sends shows how they're treating Jesus, and thus how they're treating God. So this is all important stuff. And it's not just uh, respect as in a culture of shame and honor. It's it's respect for God's authority, um, his approval, instead of that of society and family. So it's quite a transformation of the way people would have been thinking. Verse 21, after saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit, and he declared, very truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he was speaking. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So while reclining next to Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, 
he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. After he received the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, do quickly what you're going to do. Now, no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the common purse, Jesus was telling them, buy what we need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. So after the piece of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Oh, there's so much here. Uh, you know, Satan enters Judas. It was night. Uh, the meal, the references to betrayal. This whole chapter has so much in it about close fellowship, how precious that is, and, and thus how unthinkable, how nefarious, how wicked uh, a betrayal of friendship is. Jesus is deeply troubled in his spirit. But as is often pointed out, disciples have no idea which of the 12 he's referring to when he says he's going to be betrayed. And that is truly amazing. And not only that, but none, none of them really understands Jesus's conversation with, with Judas, except the disciple Jesus loved. And, and when Judas took the morsel, we read that Satan entered him. It seems this was the point of no return. Judas crossed the line. Up to here, true repentance may still have been possible, but, but no more. Jesus calls him to a quick decision. And uh, I think that's important. Uh, so many things have to go right this night. Um, he doesn't want to take chances um, with God's timing and God's will. And did you notice the, the last three words of the paragraph, and it was night, or four words, it was night. Despite the brightness of the full moon of Passover, I mean, this is a, a night that was filled with light, you know, moonlight, it's a full moon, but yet it is so dark. Again, those paired contrasts that we see in John. Jesus knows there's no going back with the end so clearly in sight. Next, he speaks of how his death will glorify the Father. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I'm with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. Jesus knows he's going to die soon, but despite the shame that the world will attach to the event of the crucifixion, Jesus says this is a matter of glory. He's going to be glorified. God will be glorified. Uh, this shame of the cross has been totally upside, it's been totally inverted. It's like, see Paul's discussion in 1 Corinthians 1, very similar. And then he gives what's called the new commandment. It's set again in the context of Jesus's departure, that is his death, and in also in the context of the washing of the feet of the disciples. So in case there's anything, you, you can't get off the hook saying, well, I kind of love others in general. No, this is uh, concrete. This is nitty gritty. This is get down, wrap the towel around your waist, and get busy washing those feet. Verse 34 is the second of the three passages in John that specifically say 
the word disciple and then explain what that is. And as I've suggested earlier, it's a great discipleship study. John 8, John 13, John 15. The Lord keeps the focus on relationships, the importance of love, as he's been doing all along, because that's what keeps uh, people faithful. It's not just uh, adherence to doctrines or being with people who hold opinions strongly. Uh, relationship is also key. And then the last paragraph, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Well, of course, Peter is not able to follow Jesus because Jesus is going to die. And Peter will follow eventually. In fact, by the end of John 21, uh, we'll be uh, focused on Peter's death, not just Jesus's. He swears he'll lay down his life, but then Jesus predicts a triple denial of the overconfident apostle. A triple denial, which will correspond to the, the three questions that the Lord puts to Peter in chapter 21, implicitly recalling these denials. You know, talk is cheap. As the proverb says, if we faint in the day of adversity, in the day of adversity, how little is our strength? Uh, Jesus makes the promise, but we know what's coming. Lord, we thank you for this amazing uh, chapter, which calls us to love, to commitment. Help us to have the heart of Christ. Firstly, to understand it. Second, not to resist it. Third, to be willing to implement it, even though people may look down on us or think it's a bit odd, some things that we do. Help us not to seek for recognition or for title, uh, but to truly follow the Lord today. So happy for your word. So happy for Jesus' example. And as we continue to uh, study what happened on the eve of his death, help us be open to all truth that you want us to see. Uh, we pray in your son. Amen.